Hey, everybody. It's your director, Patrick, and we are in the process of working on season three right now. But today we have a very special treat for you. Our story editor, Stephen Indrasano, has a new show coming out called Shelterwood. And to help promote that show, which we thoroughly encourage you to check out, we are going to have an episode of Worst Movies Ever Played that exists within the Shelterwood universe. It's a bit of a a mini episode, if you will, and it's going to be a little more bare bones than our usual episode. So it's not exactly what you normally would hear, but we think you're going to love it and we hope you enjoy it. Hello, dear listener. I'm your director, Stephen Indrasana. Oh my gosh, this is so different. That's very different than what we would normally do. This is so different. (laughs) These things have a formula to them, a well-established formula to these episodes. We're shaking it up, boys. We're getting weird with it today. Hi, everyone. You don't know me, but... I know yeah. you. <laughs> oh, very, let's be as creepy as possible with everyone, please. It comes naturally to I've me. been watching you. <laughs> I know all about you, listener. This is good. Good way to establish a friendly you, rapport I've... with the audience. <laughs> so for background, if you don't know, I'm the regular story editor here. I have other projects rolling, and today is going to be something of a crossover. So we'll dive into that in a second. But first, gentlemen, please introduce yourselves. Make yourselves at home. Well, well, thank you so much. We should introduce ourselves on our own show. Yes. Interesting. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Steven's show on Worst Movies Ever Played. I am not your director today. I am Patrick. Yes. I'm Jeffrey. You know me. I play parts. We don't have Brent today. Steven murdered Brent. Yeah, I killed him. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's yeah. what I thought was, was going on. There was one too many technicalities that I had to edit out, and I just snapped. <laughs> I couldn't handle it anymore. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I couldn't make it today, which is really unfortunate, because I was excited for him to test my metal. You bought that whole encyclopedia. I read it front to back. It was exhausting. All on trees. and It's like a 1989 encyclopedia <laughs> on trees that you examined yeah. for this. The fuselage of a 1993 Ford Focus <laughs> and what its benefits were to the EPA. Yeah. <laughs> Brent, if you're out there listening, we miss you, buddy. We miss you, Brent. <laughs> so so you're, not, you're not gone. You're not dead. You're just too busy. <laughs> I just want to make that clear for the audience so that not, we miss you. We miss you, good friend. We miss you. Our, your heart will live on within all of us. <laughs> now, you're working on a special project. You're yes. branching out. You're doing your own show. Yes. After editing so many shows of these, you've got your own idea. You're diving in. You're crowdfunding that show. I sure am. And where can folks check that out? So that is on Indiegogo. We have a special link to it, bit.ly slash shelterwoodpod. Think Silent Hill 2 meets Serial. It's a show about grief, loss, obsession, and the American dream. Uh, It's something I've been working on for years now. It's like a 270-page script. We're already cast. The show is going to be amazing if we can get it funded send us uh, a little help and we'll send y'all some weird stickers or what have you so check that all out there but today we're doing a kind of preemptive crossover project we're gonna do a little horror comedy this is in the same world this is in the same universe as your show it sure is somehow Which means anything you fuck up is canon. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see how many of the 270 pages you have left after uh, after today's game. We'll see how many we can destroy for you. Our movie today 
is a real treat. It is, in fact, from the horror anthology series Stories Related to and Generally Concerning the Graveyard, or Sir Tag Cthug to the diehard fans. The series was a moderate success in the early to mid-80s, gaining a cult following as a campy way to enjoy cheaply made horror shorts. In the entire run of stories related to and generally conserving the graveyard, only two episodes were ever pulled from circulation. The first, Pool Slash Murder Party, was censored due to concerns about the tightness of the male lead swim trunks. The second, entitled Sunset House, was pulled because it was much, much scarier than episodes of Sir Tagcathug are supposed to be. Within 30 minutes of the episode airing, the network was inundated with hundreds of upset parent calls with evidently traumatized children in the background. Gentlemen, please tell me the characters of this movie. I am playing Percy Marston. Percy Marston is a sort of a a Velma type or an Encyclopedia Brown type. You've got a know-it-all who loves solving mysteries. When Percy is not trying to solve mysteries, he is selling encyclopedias door to door. And he's actually uh, done pretty well at that, made a fair amount of money with it. So he's not typically very good with people, but he somehow is able to convince you that you need to buy these encyclopedias. And as he's walking door to door, he has been reading what he's selling. So he actually knows a great deal about many things, but he especially loves reading about the supernatural stuff in the encyclopedias. I can't believe we're pulling the encyclopedia thread. That's fucking incredible. I had no idea. Me either. <laughs> I'll be playing Cushy. Cushy with a, with a K. He's got bloodshot eyes, long, dirty hair, a big tie-dye shirt, and a ski hat with a symbol of his own van on it. Yes. He loves his van. Excellent. He lives in his van. He lives for his van. He's a very van-oriented guy. He's a bit of a philosopher, a bit of a traveler, and uh, and that means he is functionally homeless, but he doesn't think of himself that way. Oh, and he's very much down to smoke of the pot. <laughs> puff, puff, pass, pass, except he doesn't pass. He keeps it for himself. No, he just keeps on puffing. Keeps on puffing. Here's what I think happened in the past. Up to this point... Percy was a guy who could not drive, was in fact legally blind without his glasses, and saw a business opportunity to sell more encyclopedias if he signed up with Cushy, who in fact had a van. Yep. In the process, I think they, as sort of a side business, began investigating ghosts, because why not? Oh, it's kind of a good middle ground, isn't it? Kind of a right brain, left brain situation. Absolutely. Yeah, Cushy's not afraid to die, because he's got nothing to live for, (laughs) in a good way. In a good way. He's thinking beyond this mortal coil. Yeah, he's so. already had ego death, so right. he's fine. That's he's right. ready. Percy is very afraid to die. Amazing. Let's get this movie rolling. We start with a classic horror crane shot, with a camera swooping down over rows and rows of neat little houses, remnants of 60s suburbia, perfectly neat, grass perfectly trim, when the camera comes to rest on the ground, surveying the asphalt at ground level. A beat-down van comes sputtering into frame. This is the Conundrum Conveyance, your trusty automobile, which is also the headquarters of Conundrum's LLC, your supernatural investigations business. 
Now you can tell all of this in one shot because the art department did a really tasteful like 80s van paint job as what appears to be a wizard holding a magnifying glass with the words, we find ghosts on one side yeah. and then on the other side there's a unicorn wearing a Sherlock Holmes hat and smoking a pipe. The conundrum's conveyance pulls up in front of a home that is in many ways like its neighbors. A neat colonial with a slate roof and brick wall, the sunset house stands secure and unbothered despite the overgrowth which surrounds it. As no one currently lives here, the yard has become overgrown with dandelions whose garish yellow hue seems to scream out, this house is marked. Someone has spray-painted an eye onto the side of the building inside of an upside-down home. On the other side, someone has spray-painted a massive dong. These are ill omens. I would like you both to roll your spy or your intelligent, whichever is higher, to see what you know about the Sunset House. One, two, three, four passes. Holy crap, okay. Two passes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you know the exact history of the house and everyone who's ever owned it. No, um, so what you know about the Sunset House, the most important thing, is that it got its name because no one has ever survived it, having been in there once the sun sets. You can get in during the day and you can get out and you're going to be freaked but okay, but as soon as the sun sets, if you're inside, they find you dead the next day. Thus and therefore... The Sunset House. Now, because you had also a stunning and incredible uh, role there, you also know that this wasn't always the case. There was actually one specific family that lived there that went missing on a random Halloween in like 1970-something. Mm. And since then, the house has been haunted. So it started with one very specific family. Any other questions? You got a huge role, so I'll give you, like, one random question you can answer, because four passes I did not even plan for. Okay, cool. Does Cushy know what, like, the eye or the dong... Well, the dong is probably just straight-up graffiti. <laughs> right, you can guess where the dong guessing came from. Guessing where the dong from. came from. But how about that eye? Like, does Cushy know, like, the meaning of the eye symbol painted on the side of yeah, the building? Yeah, so Cushy has seen that symbol in other verified instances of the supernatural. Mm. So things that are marked with that symbol generally tend to kind of check out, right? That's a really positive indicator that you're dealing with something here that is significant. Well, Percy, we're here. As he pulls in to, like, the house driveway, it's apparent that Cushy was driving with his bare foot. So, like, <laughs> one of his bare feet was on the steering wheel and the other one was on the gas. It alternates between the gas and the brake. I can smell him over audio. That's incredible. You can definitely smell Cushy. He does not <laughs> smell good. He smells so bad that it's a character trait. Um, <laughs> it affects him in battle situations. Um, when they're riding around in the van, Percy wears like a painter's mask. Yeah, I was going to so ask that, yeah. Percy feels about the smell. In the van, Percy kind of deals with it that way. Mm -hmm. And then like pulls out his inhaler as soon as he leaves the car, takes that, and then gets out. Yeah. Hey, we're at the death house, Percy. Ready to die, man? Absolutely not. I have no interest in dying. What time of day is it? How far are we from sunset? You gentlemen have rolled up like mid to late afternoon. This is because you took like seven lefts when I told you to go right. Yeah, because I was looking for a freaking Denny's. <laughs> you said there was a Denny's. You, you were looking at that Thomas guy. You said there was a Denny's. You know, I'm, I'm on an empty stomach right now, which is kind of 
T and me oh we will get you a moon over my hammy if you can solve this very quickly all right let's let's do it but you know probably the answer is ghosts and shit you know i mean that's kind of the situation that we're going into yes but if we just put ghost and shit nobody will actually believe we did anything we've got to be more specific all right well you're the expert okay i i happen to know a lot about this one specific murder house <laughs> but generally speaking you're the one who knows more about these things than i do man so yeah i'm i'm here i'm ready let's let's freaking do it let's freaking do it Enter through the front door and you find yourself in the front hall. There's a set of stairs up, which is in front of you, a room to your left, a room to your right, and then a hallway that goes deeper into the home. Our goal right now is to figure out who murdered the family, correct? Your goal is to figure out what the fuck is up with this house. (laughs) Look, Percy, I don't know. It's like there's two spooky rooms in every house that we visit. The attic and the basement. So where do you want to start? Do you want to try to find the basement or do you want to try to find the attic? Because those are the ones where I guess all the ghosts want to hang out. Oh, wait. Time out. Is this a world where ghosts are real or is it? Have we actually found ghosts? <laughs> this or is, is you're every- having this whole conversation directly barreling down the camera. You're asking yeah. the director in real time while you're Good. filming. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, this is that t- we make bad movies here. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, I will say that Ghosts and shit definitely do exist, although it is not something most people believe. Okay, but we have we encountered actual? I don't know, have you? Tell me, it's your backstory. I feel like a lot of the people that we have found up to now were pretending to be ghosts, but were actually just businessmen mm. that were trying to get an advantage over their competitors yeah, by yeah, yeah. Uh, putting themselves into a giant sheet or something. Right, yeah, or trying to... A so... man who is just like... Uh, breath jesus or whatever setting up his bookstore yeah yeah yes normally breath jesus is just trying to get rid of those rascally kids <laughs> yeah or it's like teenagers who have access to a hologram machine for some reason yeah, you know we've encountered that like three times at this point but i believe in ghosts okay i believe in angels demons Ghosts. Well, given that our most likely ghost sources tend to be either up the stairs or down into the basement, and I have not yet seen a basement entrance, let's head up the stairs. Sounds good, man. Let's do it. I'm going to need y'all to roll AC. Okay. Uh, One pass. One pass. Okay. As you put your feet down on the third or so step, a strange thing happens. One by one, starting at the top, the steps tilt towards you at a harsh angle, forming a steep incline of smooth wood. Someone or something slams a door upstairs, and you find yourself scrambling not to fall head over heels backwards. Luckily, both of you manage to catch yourself at the end, Uh, although you do find yourself in like a comic slapstick pose where one of you is like, you've got like your butt in the other person's face. Uh, So you didn't take any damage, but you didn't succeed spectacularly, so it's just kind of embarrassing. Would you mind getting your face out of my butt? (laughs) I would love nothing more, please. Man. All right, given that the stairs just supernaturally turned into a slide, (laughs) I guess we go to the left door? That's the door that they'd least expect us to go because everybody's right-handed. So presumably, if this were like a game of some kind, if this was like a designed game... 
then you would probably put the safest choice to the left in general. So you're really gonna catch these fucking ghosts off guard, baby. That's right. All right, let's I'm going go to left. use my narrative design skills <laughs> to figure out how to best them. That's right. Fucking incredible. The room you enter is a living room. Although it has been long disused, there is a fireplace along one wall, the left wall as you enter, with some ivy growing down and out of it. Across from that, there is a couch with some pictures hanging above it. There's a window uh, across from you uh, from which you can see your trusty van, and windows to the right as well, which give you a view of the backyard. Can I take a look at the people that are in the photos and see if any of them are notable members of history or society? You sure can. I've got some bad news for you, though. Uh, there are no people in any of the pictures. Oh, no! It all appears to just be interior shots of the house that you're currently in. Well, this seems like a waste of film. Yeah, Cushy's <laughs> going to go to the ivy and Good. see if this is like a, a smokable plant. <laughs> I did not anticipate that. Uh, give me your intelligence but like give me like a plus one because this is kind of your area of expertise uh one pass okay so (laughs) you don't know whether or not you can smoke this you suspect that you can't it looks to just be like english ivy i don't think it has any sort of uh psychotropic uh aspect to it but you do notice that it's kind of swaying gently that it's it's moving in a way that ivy would not typically do on its own hey man check this out like i was thinking maybe i could smoke this but it seems to not want to be smoked and by that i mean it's like trying to run away from me what do you think? I mean, as long as it's not poison ivy, I'm fine with touching it and investigating further. But I would not smoke it because we do not have the time to dry it and turn it into the kind bud. So, yeah, I'm willing to, like, stick my hand into the swaying ivy and see if I can push it aside. So you stick your arm up into the vines, and the further you reach up, the more tight it gets. Like You can feel that there's something up there just beyond the vines. There's an object. Uh, and right as your fingers brush it, Something in the ivy twists, wrapping around your arms, trying to take your arm out of your socket. Yeah, cushy, cushy, I'm stuck. The ivy's trying to take me. What's more? (laughs) I got one pass. Okay, wonderful. You manage to get your hand around the object, and in a panic, you pull back as the ivy is trying to pull you forward. And as you fall backwards, you don't take any damage, and you're currently holding an old tin bucket with some flaked orange paint. Well, you fought a plant monster for this piece of crap? Dude, (laughs) you're pretty hardcore, actually. It seems like you don't mind dying either. I was afraid my life was going to be taken by this orange bucket, but apparently that was not the case. I bested the orange bucket. Man, this would be great to barf into. Yeah. Seems like a really try that, man. I could give that a shot later because this whole house might has given me barfy vibes. Alright, so I slot it into my oversized backpack. Yes. I should add that Cushy doesn't have a backpack. He has a bindle on a stick with a lighter, a flashlight, and a knife in there. But but he's not he's not homeless. He just wow. he's he's between backpacks right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. So, just to it's be a really clear. cool stick too. You can't leave that behind. Yeah. Hey man, you you keep going. You keep going. I'm just gonna take a little uh, napadooski. All right. You just keep looking around here though. You're going to take a nap? 
we have to do this fast if we're going to go to Denny's. Uh, yeah, I am super hungry, <laughs> but I'm also super tired. I'm just going to take a five-minute nap at Dooski. It's going to refresh yes. me. And then I'm going to be ready to go here. So I'm going to hop onto the couch. You sit down for your little five-minute nap-a-doodle, and a cloud of dust just puffs up. It's Ugh. like truly pig pen quantities of, of dust poof up from this couch. It's been used so little. Uh, man, uh, this, this couch freaking blows, man. I'm inhaling smoke and not the good kind. <laughs> While he's shifting around on the not comfortable couch, I'm going to go take a peek through this window. Yeah, so what you can see of the backyard is that it has been completely overtaken by the same ivy that is crawling down through the fireplace spout to the point where it's starting to creep through the windows. Hmm. I'm going to run on a weird impulse. My melee weapon is a Boy Scout pocket knife. Mm. Both of us have knives. That's funny. We both have have pocket knives. (laughs) That's part of the brand. Part of the brand. Oh, yeah. Mine is like a hunting knife that he got at like a military supply store. (laughs) Yeah, mine is more that I did a bunch of uh, Eagle Scout things and got a knife as a result. Mm. So it it came about different ways. Two knife genders. (laughs) Two, Two knife genders. I'm going to try and just cut off a little bit of the ivy that's in the room and see if either the ivy in the room or the ivy outside reacts in a supernatural fashion or if it just reacts the way ivy would. Interesting. You slice off a piece of ivy and the ivy doesn't seem to react in a weird way, but as you cut through it, you also scrape the bottom of the windowsill and it bleeds a little bit. Like the nick on the windowsill is oozing upward. Hmm. I stab part of the wall to see if blood comes from part of the wall. Yeah, so you break through the drywall, the paint in the drywall, and when you pull the knife out, it's definitely bleeding. There is a solid trickle going down. Hmm. This house has a circulatory system. (laughs) I don't know what to do with this information. Cushy walks over to it. Uh, you sure that, I don't know, like, like they didn't, paint the inside when you get up the pillows on the couch get sprung off ah like they go like bang and they're on the floor now okay yeah that's weird all right well (laughs) i mean yeah this house is cursed i guess or something i don't know it's not good you see what's (laughs) you you see what's going on the ivy's trying to kill you the the windows are full of blood Maybe, and I'm just, you know, spitballing here. We should, like, live in this house? Like, this is actually, like, nobody's here. We squatters' rights. Like, it's a pretty cool house. But, Cushy, uh, this is the the sunset house where nobody survives overnight. So I think the reason it's a squatters' rights situation is that nobody makes it past 24 hours here. Well, but, you know, we kind of have a different vibe, I think, than maybe a lot of other people do. Maybe we could, like, be kind to the house. Mm-hmm. Maybe everybody who comes in is like, oh, no, my house is trying to kill me. I should kill the house. And maybe we could just be like, hey, house, like, we're cool. Dear house, I'm sorry I stabbed you. I didn't realize you were a living thing. If I can uh, put some drywall in or do some healing of any kind, I would be happy to do so. Mm. Give me a sign if you would like me to show you this level of kindness, please. There's nothing. I mean, the house is just... It's the silent treatment. You are getting nothing. Let me try talking to the house. Hey, hey, house, what's up? It, this is me. It's Cushy. Normally, I live in a van. 
Um, but I'd be interested in like living in you and like taking care of you. I know like my friend like may have been poking and prodding a little bit, but he means well. He's just trying to figure shit out. Aren't we all just trying to figure shit out on this mortal coil? Roll, roll charisma. Roll charisma. Okay, great. Two passes. I tell you what, with with two passes, like, the air conditioning kicks off. Yeah, see, the house is welcoming us, basically, making us nice and chill for us. The house okay, all right. literally is chill. So now that I understand that you have become quite literally more chill, let's try this. I realize that there is a, a language barrier in that I do not speak Victorian-era house, but you seem to perhaps understand English. So I'm going to try this. I am going to start walking in a direction, and... If the floorboards creak, I won't go there. And if they are quiet, I will continue in that direction. Hopefully, this leads to something. And I take my first step. You Uh. say that, and you hear, like, the loudest cacophony of wood you've ever heard in your life coming from upstairs. All right, so it doesn't want us to go upstairs. Listen, I've lived in a van for 17 years, so, like... Right, you don't need to go upstairs. You're fine. I don't need to go upstairs. This is, like... Eight vans just downstairs, so this works for me. You want to go check out the other room? Yeah, let's check out that other room, the other non-creaky room. Okay, so you enter the other corner of the house into what is very clearly a formal dining room. Along the right side are windows, from which you can see your van. In the center of the room, there's a simple but beautiful chandelier hanging over a large, heavy wooden table, which is itself on a rug. There's some chairs around the table, and then in the back of the room, there's a chest of drawers with fine china in it on top, and then in the back corner, there's a flapping door into what appears to be the kitchen. I'm going to open up my bindle, and I'm going to start putting some of the china (laughs) into the bindle. Percy is reminded and embarrassed of the last time we went to Denny's, and you tried to barter with china to try try and get a meal at Denny's. Listen, I don't know why they're so picky about how you pay them. Customers want, like, fancy silverware. That's why they go to Denny's, and they always are disappointed. <laughs> Denny's is, like, a fancy location for you. Denny's is, like, creme de la creme. Oh, yeah. Denny's is, like, Ruth Morton's Steakhouse. So, <laughs> so as you're shoveling fine china into your bindle, which is growing increasingly yeah. heavy and rattling around, you find a piece of paper. It's half of a photograph by the look of it. Mm. And as you're just about to kind of look reflexively at it, the chandelier in the center of the room drops and swings forward, facing you like the head of a snake. I'm going to need you to roll your athletics. Uh, One pass. Okay, so you manage to jump out of the way just in time as the chandelier shatters into the glass face of the chest of drawers Uh, It kind of rears back and shakes itself off, and then it recedes back up into its place in the ceiling. If he looks at the photograph, what does he see in the photograph? So this is one half of a photograph that's been torn in half. You see a young boy, six, maybe seven years old, and it's clearly taken on Halloween. He's standing on the stoop of the house in which you are. He's wearing a devil mask, a red cape, and holding a tin candy bucket with an orange jack-o'-lantern face. On the back, there's the beginning of a scrawled note that reads, He, and you can't read the rest of it because it's on the other half of the photograph, which is 
assumedly somewhere. Hey man, uh, did you see the other half of this photograph in the other room when there were like photographs and stuff? And if you want to roll intelligence to see if there's anything else you can pick up from this, feel free. I got no passes. Okay, well you know it's a fucking picture. <laughs> this is half of a picture. Oh, genius deductions, person. Uh, you think maybe this was taken on Halloween and then that's that's what you got. I'm a little worried we moved away from the springs that jumped out of the couch a little fast. I mean, good luck taking a nap on that thing, man. Like, it is <laughs> aggressive. But the springs, like, jumped out of the couch, right? Aren't they on the floor? Did I misunderstand that? Yeah, the springs, like, bounced the cushions away. So okay. they did, like, tear up that couch in the process. It, it looks like one of those cartoons where, like, a doohickey has exploded and there's just, like, springs poking out everywhere. So can I, like, search the interior of the couch around yeah, the springs? Yeah, absolutely. It's a pretty yeah. small house, so you can just okay. go back in there and do that. Would you like to? I'd like to, yeah. All right, let's do it. I got four passes. Oh, hell yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm digging through the couch trying to find what I can Great. find. Great. So with four passes, you find the path of least resistance. It was a mess in there, but with four passes, you can see that there's kind of, if you angle your arm just right, you can move around and through these rusted old springs to grab something at the bottom, which does appear to be the other half of this photograph. What do I see? You see another child on the far right of the stoop, a little girl in a tiara and like a nice dress. She's a little fairy princess. It's very cute. And she's holding hands with a man in the middle who does not look so good. He's dressed up in one of those old Halloween masks and he's dressed in a long black robe, and he's holding a toy scythe. And on the back, you can read the message in its entirety now. He is the house. Mm. So I will tell you now that the sun is starting to set. Oh, no. So choose carefully in terms of what you haven't seen yet. So there's a third room on the ground floor, right, that we have not seen? I guess we go to that room. Let's go to that other room and see what we can see. Great. So you enter a kitchen. It's a really small kitchen because this house was built in like the 50s. uh, And it was a little galley kitchen. So there's not a lot of space in there. In there, there's a fridge, there's cabinets, and there's a sink. Cushy goes right for the fridge. He wants to open and see if there's any food in the fridge. (laughs) Okay. So you now have a view of the inside of this fridge. And it's not great my guy it is lined with flesh like the inside of an an organ kind of a stomach cavity looking space the single bulb illuminating it is kind of built up around it looks like it's grown in around it and in the middle there's a heap of red fabric whoa okay just like a bundle of fabric Mm mm-hmm all right well this is a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no snacks in there, huh? No snacks. Not what I was looking for. Very bad smell, which I know a little something about. Listen, I know I don't smell good, man. You don't have to tell me that. I see the way people look at me. I get it. I'm attuned, but I smell like I naturally smell. This smell doesn't smell natural. This smells supernatural. It's like a big synth hit right there. My curiosity overtakes me, and I examine the fabric. Okay, give me another strength pass to see if you can will your body into just getting close enough to get at it. Yeah. Uh, one pass. Okay, that'll do it. 
You get your hand on it and you pull away. And as you do so, the inside connective tissue of the fridge tenses and the door to the fridge starts moving in incredibly quickly. I'm gonna need you to do something to get out of the way of this door or you're gonna get hit and it's gonna suck. He's gonna like play it off like he wasn't doing anything. <laughs> okay. So he's gonna be like, why would you close the door on me? Like, I'm just hanging out. You're all like, I'm not touching you, I'm not touching you. <laughs> I'm not touching I'm you. I'm not touching you. Yeah, I mean, go ahead. Whatever boats your float. One pass. One pass, okay. For that maneuver, I was gonna require two, so you don't quite get out of the way, and it does jam your fingers really hard at the last minute. Oh, man. Yeah, it, it's not fun. Hey, man. But it bounces back because the force was so extreme long enough that you can get both your hand and the object out of the fridge. So mark one damage, Yeah. and uh, you now have another item, which is what appears to be a child's costumed cape. Looking at the photograph, is it the cape of either the little girl or the little boy? It is the cape of the little boy, pretty clearly. It looks like it's aged pretty significantly. Whatever was in that fridge was not good for it, but it fits to the same proportions. Oh, as... the little, okay, so the bucket. Okay, I just put that together. Who's holding the bucket in the photograph? The little boy. It was his Halloween candy bucket. There you go. So the house ate the children. No, the house is children, right? It says he is the house. So like the house like is kids. My current hypothesis, which could be wrong, is that the remnants of the children are eaten by the house, who is the Grim Reaper in the photograph. So I think the adult man, who looks like the Grim Reaper, ate the little tiara girl and the little devil boy. <laughs> or, or what if the two kids ate the man? Whoa. And now his ghost is in the house, and he's upset. And I don't know, I'm just but then grammatically, I'm just grammatically, that would be they are the house, right? And <laughs> See, it's a singular... the, the sun is like starting to set. Like, <laughs> things need to move. I would love to have my dickering over grammar, like, take up the yeah, sunset. Yeah, and I'll give you a token for that, too. Just like Thank your you. semantic analysis of the photograph are such yeah, Thank that uh, it takes some time. So you now have one thing left that you can do before the sun has fully slipped down. All right, this sounds nuts. I do not want to die. I'm right. very scared of dying, right. and I know what happens if I stay in this house. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm not done with the mystery, so I think the next thing we ought to do is literally leave the house and see what we can solve from the outside. Sure. Are you in agreement on that? Yeah, he'll follow you around. His main thing is, is, is eating. Yeah, so that gets you very closer to Danny's as well. So it's a, a good character right. beat for sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you uh, approach the front door and you put your hand on the doorknob and it just comes off. Oh, crap. All right. Okay, any of the windows. Can any of the windows be broken? You can try. Okay. I have the bucket. It's metal, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I put the metal bucket over my hand and I am going to use something here called analytical where once per scene I can add my intelligence to a stat that belongs to a different stat. And so basically I'm going to look for the weakest point in the glass. Once I know that, I'm going to punch using the bucket. I love it. So that I can try and break okay. it. Okay, into that, give it a shot. Ugh, no passes. Oh, okay, so with no passes, you rear back and you smack the window with as much force as you can muster within this metal gauntlet that you fashioned for yourself. 
And when you connect, two things happen. One, a child screams from somewhere, no. Two, the window does actually crack. We get this beautiful slow-mo of it spider-webbing out from the moment where you hit it. And along the edges of the crack, there come these like gross varicose veins that come in from the outside and like stitch it back together. And then after a moment, those in a very cheesy, very clearly they just faded an image of not a cracked window with a cracked window, but it heals itself. I try and hand the bucket to Cushion. I'm like, do, do you want to try and punch the varicose vein window? Or do, you, <laughs> or do you have another way to get to Denny's? You know, it did say no. Uh, I don't know if you heard it, but <laughs> there was definitely a, <laughs> a voice that said no. I'm not going to punch a house. Mm. You know, I don't need to punch a house. I don't need to, like, stab a house. <laughs> like, I'm just going to be straight up with this house. Hey, house, what's up? Uh, it's me, your old pal, Cushy. Listen, how how about you, like, you just let us go. We're going to make a Denny's run. Yeah. We're going to go to Denny's. You want something from Denny's? Yeah. If you want something from Denny's, we can hook you up. Percy's buying. I want you to roll your charisma, and I want you to to do it with advantage, because I'm delighted by the fact that you're still, like, trying to get in good with the house. One, two, three passes. Amazing. So... What you're hoping will happen, I assume, is that, like, the window will open or the door will right. swing open or, yeah. I don't know, something something like that will happen. That does not occur. What does happen, however, is you hear kind of a, a skidding noise from the dining room. It sounds like something big and heavy has just been scooched out of the way. And from that room, something flies out on the ground level, like a really fast Roomba, like right at that level, something just comes out and it lands at your feet and it's a child's devil mask. Oh, cool. I mean, this is, (laughs) it's not what I wanted, but it's neat. I mean, it's like weird. So you have, as you pick up the child's mask, you now have all three items that were in the photograph. And as you realize this, the last of the sun dips down below the horizon. And a few things happen, kind of all at once. First of all, the lights in the house all go incredibly bright for a second and then flicker out. So it's good that one of you has a flashlight. The other thing that happens is you hear the stairs, which you're pretty much right next to, shift back down into stair position. You hear this massive clunk. The third thing that happens is way less cool. You start to hear this pitter-patter, and you realize that it seems to be raining in here, and it smells like the fridge, like bile, like stomach acid. And as a drip lands on the back of your neck, you can actually feel it sizzle there for a second. Night has come to the sunset house. What do you do? Well, it's trying to digest us. This is bad news. Is it raining in the chimney? It is raining in the chimney, actually. It's kind of oozing down the sides, and it's clearly doing damage to the ivy as well, which is interesting. There's little holes popping up in the leaves. Okay, hang on. I can fix this. Would you say this house counts as a person? I would. 
Yeah. Okay. I'm examining the house for weakness. Got is, it. So I'm using a thing called get a bead on them, and I'm going to turn Ooh. in the token that you've given me. And so I'm going to use my intelligence to try and find any place in the house that would allow us to be safe and buy some time. And I guess I'm going to use intelligence for this, right? Great. I'm rolling terribly. I've only got two passes. Okay. With two passes, I'm going to give you two pieces of information that I think are gleanable. One, you know that the house can bleed. It has a physical form that reacts to damage. So you just know this passively. The other thing is that you get the sense that there's multiple entities here. So there's the house... And then there's whatever helped with the mask. So given that, that might inform your best bet against the house. Gotcha. I I put the bucket on the ground and I say to the bucket, bucket, lead me to the other costumes. Mm. Go! Wait, that's I... actually, you do not know how well you just set me up. So the bucket starts to levitate off the ground. You've never seen Whoa. anything quite like this. You're used to physical things. A person in a mask, right? A, a teenager with a hologram machine. The normal things. The bucket starts to float out into the foyer area, that little front hallway landing, and it points itself up the stairs. Man, I'm glad I didn't barf in that bucket. <laughs> All right. I go, thank you, bucket. And then I walk up the stairs with the bucket. And at this point, this is going to be our act break. So if you have any abilities or anything that have to do with once per act, this is our reset point. The camera follows you up the stairs slowly, and as you turn 180 degrees, we see your eyes growing wide, and then the camera follows your gaze, and you're staring at the gigantic, beating heart of the Sunset House. The space you're in feels like an attic, or perhaps more accurately, how a child might see an attic. The roof feels impossibly high, made of bare wood, blanketed thickly by cobwebs. The walls, too, are unvarnished and dusty, and you find yourself surrounded by boxes and boxes of Halloween decorations and costumes, spilling out, making the floor difficult to traverse. I turn to Cushy with a very smug, knowing look on my face, and I go, It's always the attic or the basement, isn't it, Cushy? It's always yeah. the attic or the basement. I don't know why you're saying it like that. I am correct. No, 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 no. I was agreeing with you. I was saying you were right. I'm not I'm not mad at you. I'm just saying it always is. Because you came off like you had told me that it was the attic or the basement, and then I had dismissed <laughs> you. You're squabbling in front of like an eight-foot-tall anatomical beating heart in the center of an attic, and you're both like... I'm just reading into your tone, man. Like, <laughs> I'm very sorry. I'm not a people person. I just, I, I was trying to give you a compliment. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. You were right, okay? You were right. I'm sorry. Who currently has the mask and the cape? I have the mask and the cape in my possession. The bucket flies over to you and kind of nudges your hand. Oh, hey, what's up, bucket? <laughs> put, put that <laughs> you, stuff on, uh, man. Put it on. Put it on. Oh. Yeah, put it all on. I've done weirder things for pancakes <laughs> at Denny's. Yeah, he takes out the mask and he takes out the cape and he uh, he puts them on. You feel an incredible rush of power. You oh. have suddenly the sense that you're not alone here, uh, not just because of the giant evil heart, uh, but because there's a little boy 
kind of a ghostly figure, a, a classical, like, glowing blue, ghostly little boy in a devil costume. And he's looking up at you, and he just says, please, end this. Okay. I want to tell you something, little boy. I don't know what's in this costume, <laughs> but I have never felt this good. And I've been high a lot. <laughs> Like, I've been on a lot of different substances, man, but this is, like, way out there. Yeah, the kid is just, like, so, nodding so, sagely. He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He was going to try That's and smoke good. the ivy. You definitely should have led with this. He says, like, I tried that, too. It didn't work. Anyway, so a few things mechanically are going to happen here. You're going to get an extra D6 for rolls uh, that are attacking when you have the costume on, and you now mm. also have in your hand materializes a melee weapon that is the trident, the little devil spear. So it seems like I can communicate with the boy. Yeah. Can a Percy see the boy or just me? Just you. Percy is just watching you explain your drug habits to empty space. Great. Hey, so like when you say like, please end this, like, what do you mean exactly? Stab the heart. Stab the fucking heart. What heart? The heart in the middle of the room. There's an eight-foot-tall anatomical heart. Oh. The narration was very explicit about this. Like, uh, Cushy, oh, d- Cushy, I can't tell exactly in what way you are tripping, but the heart is right there, and I point directly to it. Say, oh, shoot. Okay, yeah, yeah. That is definitely like a giant beating heart. Cool. And just to be clear, you want me to, like, stab the heart yes, with this, like, trident? Yes, stab the goddamn heart. What a foul-mouthed little boy. You can't hear it. <laughs> You're just hearing one half of this conversation. I imagine this boy to be foul-mouthed. So, Percy, let me give you the heads up. I got a cool, like, a ghost boy here. I think it's from the photograph. And he's, What's up, motherfucker? He curses, which is pretty cool. He's a pretty cool kid. And, uh, yeah, he's telling me to stab the heart. Do you think I should uh, stab the heart with this trident? I need both of you to roll athletics. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, one pass. I'm rolling great tonight, by the way. Yeah, you're crushing it. Uh, One pass. Okay. A giant beam falls from the ceiling exactly where the two of you are standing, and you feel more than you hear like a guttural roar. You know what? Go ahead and stab it. Yeah, I think I'm going to stab that heart. He's like, listen, man, you've been very uncool. I've been very cool. I could maybe understand trying to kill him, my partner here, Percy, because he's been doing some shit to you, like stabbing you and stuff. But I've been cool this whole time. And you try to kill me? I mean, that's not cool, man. So Cushy is going to stab the heart with this trident. Love that. Roll strength, and you get the bonus on attack, too, because you found the whole outfit. Three passes. You jam the trident into the heart, and this, like, Nightmare on Elm Street bed scene gout of blood springs forth from it, and you just get absolutely drenched from head to foot. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, not your favorite, but you do deal two damage to the heart. Cool. Which it does not love, and it is at this point... Uh, minor action that I have, Prankster, once per scene, I can set up a rudimentary hazard using my environment. So all of these Halloween decorations that are scattered around on the ground, these like strings of light and all those things, they'll snake to the center of the room and anyone that's going to try to attack in that range is going to have to maneuver around this little wall of Halloween decorations that forms. Furthermore... For my major action, 
I'm gonna use the, my uh, major ability, train wreck, once per scene, describe antics. Witness is astounded and loses two passes on their next roll, so I'm going to astound the person attacking me. What I'm going to do, so not only have I built a kind of small nest of Halloween decorations around myself, what I'm going to now do is I'm going to make the room much scarier. So from these hundreds of scattered boxes, big and small, all of these decorations are going to shoot out and they're gonna cover our surroundings. So what was once kind of a normal attic is now just dressed to the nines with decorations. So we're talking like hanging mannequins that are swinging this way and that, cackling witches from five or six different directions, flashing lights. It is a regular haunted house in here now. And what that is going to do is it's going to freak you out a little bit, given that you've been smoking weed constantly for the last, I don't know, 20 years. Okay. You don't care for that shit at all. Yeah. And so the next thing that you do, you're going to lose two passes on. Okay. And that is my turn. I am going to try and use my deduction. Great. Let, let's see if I pass, because if I don't pass, it defeats the purpose. I don't pass, so it, that's not going to work. Okay. So... You look at it and you're like, hmm. Hmm. Okay, so that doesn't work. So, but what I am going to do is I've got my slingshot. Ooh. And so I pull the slingshot out of my backpack, and I realize that I can't get close to the heart because of the barrier that's been built around it. But I can, you know, fire my little pellets with my ranged weapon. So I'm going to take aim at the heart using the slingshot. I got three passes. Okay. We get this really cool tracking shot of the pellet traveling towards the heart and it pierces the flesh and travels deeper through. We get kind of like a weird claymation effect as we see the pellet go through the heart and it enters a kind of inside cavity where it then hits a person who screams with rage. What you two see on the outside is the heart starts beating hard. And then not just beating, but pulsating and stretching in this awful Cronenbergian way. And a pale silver sliver of metal pushes through the outside. It slashes down diagonally, and then from out of the heart steps an eight foot tall grim reaper and he stands there furious i'm right next to him like presumably right yeah he he steps down and this dude is like eight foot nine like he is very tall very thin skull face he looks down at you and he has to crane his neck to do so and he is just radiating rage Cushy's like, wow, bad trip, bad trip, man, bad trip. Hey, man, you know, listen, I didn't want it to come to this. You know, I was trying to be cool before in the house, you remember, and I was even trying to be cool up here in the attic. I feel like you're doing some weird shit up here, and I just feel like... You know, maybe you could not. <laughs> what are like, we doing here? What is the, what is the action being performed? What here? are we doing here? 
is like my question to the Grim Reaper, <laughs> man. Like, like, what is all of this? As you're speaking up to him, trying to talk yourself down as much as you're talking him down, um, he doesn't even shift. You are like a bug to him. You are a fly that landed in his Chardonnay. Like, okay. he does not think you're something to be reasoned with, is the vibe that you get. Okay, man, like, fair enough, but just, you know, before we fuck you up, <laughs> like, I just thought I would, like, be reasonable, like, to be cool, but okay, I can see you don't want to be cool. He is going to not hesitate, and he's going to attempt to slash you with the scythe. However, this is an ability of mine, only Ooh. natural. Once per scene, your natural hobo odors inflict a minus two problem on an oh, enemy's next task. So Mike's smell is so noxious that he has a minus two problem on his roll. Okay, fascinating. So this is a strength contest? So this is a strength contest that we're going to engage in here. We have this like anime-ass shot of him swinging the scythe down and you attempt to block it. I got to two passes. Okay. I got... Three out of four were ones and twos, so not quite an unlucky break, but God, that would have been incredible. Uh, So he swings his scythe down and it meets your tongs. You kind of catch it like you're gonna roast a marshmallow, right? It's between your tongs and he quivers with rage as he tries to bring it down, but your hobo strength is just too much and you're holding him there because he's so disgusted by your presence that the Mm. rage actually gets in the way. He's usually like very precise, but you're just making a mockery of all of this. And it's not just your stench, it's the stench of your very presence that makes him incapable of slashing your throat in this moment. He's gonna just lean down and get his skull right up in your face. It doesn't do anything, but he just, just hates you so much. To be clear, like, Cushy is not afraid. He's, like, he's freaked out, Mm -hmm. but not, like, because, oh, God, I'm going to die. It's just, like, oh, there's, like, too many, like, things happening. He's, like, overstimulated. He's overstimulated. Yeah. Yeah, It's, like, oh, man, like, another thing I have to worry about. By the way, like, when I look at him, like, his eyes, like, do do they, like, glow? Or is he just literally, like, empty sockets? There's empty sockets. Yeah. Right. Okay, cool. Well, uh, pleased to meet you, man, you know? <laughs> Hope you oh. guess my name. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> All right, Patrick. Is there a tiara around? Uh, give, me, give me, you gotta roll for it. I gotta roll for it. All right, so I'll, I'll use my intelligence and my perception. I got one pass. You think you see a tiara, like, one move away, but it's not a clear path. So if you want to go do that, that's gonna be your major action is to get over to it. Okay. I'm gonna go over to it, I guess. Nice. Okay. Do you want to just ask me to talk to the boy? I presume I can. That would be easy. Well, yeah, just tell me what to aim for, but I don't know if I can do that on my turn. Tell me what to aim for on the Grim Reaper. I'm looking for weakness. Hey, hey we want to know, like, uh, like what we should be aiming for on this guy. So the little boy, first of all, is, like, terrified of this thing. Uh, he, this is the monster, right? Right. But he's able to pull himself out long enough to tell you, I, I think it's the, the costume itself. I, the skull is, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. And he mm. hides behind you. 
kids weaked out, but it's like a costume, I guess. There's something with the skull. It's like, I mean, it may be like all the others, like where this is some kind of trick, so. I'm going to try aiming at the skull this turn, and if that doesn't work, I'm going to go with the tiara next turn. I hit it with two passes. Okay. So with two passes, you take aim, and you manage to hit the skull kind of towards the top of the forehead. And what that does is it actually pushes the mask a little bit out of place. So the illusion for a moment shifts, and you can tell that it did not care for that at all. So first of all, you did one damage. But second of all, when you hit there on the costume, it moved the mask away long enough that, uh, Jeffrey, you just saw like a a guy underneath for just a moment. It disappeared back into the skull, which now appears again to be blank. But it was maybe a ghost in there? It was unclear because it was just a moment, but you did manage to rattle the costume, which does seem to be the important part. It might also be Beth Jezos again. God, fucking Beth Jesus. Yeah, I mean, they Beth had us going, I had to admit. Beth really had us going for a Beth while. Beth was a real conundrum, that guy. Yeah. yeah. The Grim Reaper is so goddamn angry. <laughs> the shenanigans occurring in front of him. This is what I want to do. I want to, with my right foot, put my foot down on the cloak mm. to, like, stabilize the cloak. And then while we're in this tussle, with my left foot, I want to kick it in its abdomen. Mm. So like with the idea okay. of like, I keep the cloak where it is, but move the Grim Reaper back right. to see if I can like get him out of the costume okay. basically. Cause I suspect that this is a costume now. Great. One pass. So with one pass, you get your foot planted, you get over the barrier, so you're now like really up in his business. But when you go to kick, you just can't quite get your body there. So you're now within the circle with the Grim Reaper. Right. Close enough that you're in grappling range. You're not going to have to deal with this hazard again, uh, but you don't deal any damage. See, if we had been to Denny's first, I would have had the strength to do this kick properly. Don't go into a haunted house with an empty stomach. That's the lesson that we should all take away from this, man. Anything else you want to do? Minor action you want to take? Anything? Uh, yeah, I'll just scream to uh, to Percy. Percy, it's a costume. I saw the mask come off. Ten four, big buddy. So I believe that makes it the Grim Reaper's turn again. Yeah, I mean, he's just going to keep trying to beat you down. So we're going to do another right. strength contest here. He just really, really wants to murder you pretty bad. Yeah, I hear, I hear that. I get it. Uh, only one. So he's going to slash you for one damage. So he manages to push the trident out of the way, kind of with the butt of his scythe. And then on the way back up, he drags it along your torso. So it goes from the bottom right up to the top left. You just get this thin line that's sliced. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> it really, it cuts through the drug rug that you really like. Uh. So it's really more like emotional damage than anything else. Frickin' sucks. I have a minor action that he's also going to take called Evil Eye. Uh, <laughs> so the Grim Reaper looks down at you. Whatever energy this nemesis figure has is just poured into you, and the only thing you want is to attack and kill this thing. 
the way that he wants to attack and kill you. So you, your next action is has to be focused on the Grim Reaper. Okay, and he has a bloodlust now. Yeah, and it is now Patrick's turn. Okay, I can tell from across the room that Cushy is feeling demoralized because he's got an empty stomach. And so I am going to push it to the limit. Nice. And I am going to inspire him. And I go, Cushy, I know this is hard for you, but listen, if you can just power through, we're going to go to Denny's and you can have <laughs> one of these items. And then I proceed to pull on my encyclopedic knowledge of the Denny's menu. My and I God. just start listing off you take items a token as well menus. as what you do. Thank right. you. Yeah, it's really And funny. so I go, Santa Fe skillet, <laughs> country fried steak and eggs. This is like the moment in the horror movie where they say like the good incantation to trap the demon. It's just you listing off menu items. The T-bone steak and eggs. <laughs> the grand slamwich. The moons over my hammy. The spicy moons over my hammy. This goes on in the movie as well for like uh, entirely too long. Like it's really yeah. just... Of the runtime, it's like a solid 10% is just product placement? Unclear. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, you get the sense that the movie was actually sponsored yeah, by yeah, Denny's. Yeah. Cushy's mouth is watering. <laughs> right. like, it's actively like, drooling. <laughs> like the thought of a, of yeah. a spicy moons over my hand. Moons over my hand, it's great. But what it could use is maybe a little bit of spice. Yeah. That is yeah. the missing ingredient. So, yeah, that, that sounds incredible. The ghost of this child is just sitting here like, what is happening? So as I've listened through all the menu, I get to the final end, which is the desserts, and then a tear is rolling down my eye, as well as Cushy's. Yeah, the child is crying also. The Grim Reaper is, like, trying not to get choked up. Oven-baked yeah, caramel apple crisp, New York-style cheesecake, lava cookie skillet, and then the cheesecake pack. I push it to the limit. You now have two tokens. Wonderful. And here's the best part. Even though that took half an hour in the movie, that's just a minor action. Incredible. And so, and so now I'm going to fire with the slingshot, and I'm going to keep trying to knock the skull off uh, his his head. All right, give me an accuracy. Yep, absolutely. One pass. One pass is unfortunately not going to do it. It kind of plinks off the side, and this time you don't really get any purchase on the mask. But the Grim Reaper looks up at you with malice. There's not a whole lot of range of emotions with the Skull Mask. He's pretty much capable of hatred. But that's, you definitely get the sense that, like, you've pissed him off. Copy. Well, now Cushy has the fuel of thinking about Denny's, but also an uncushy-like bloodlust. Yeah. Desperate to kill this thing. Wow, man, I, I don't know. Like, you've really, you really ticked my gizzard. <laughs> Okay, man. He's going to try to plunge the trident into the skull, into Ooh, like the holes like into of the, the skulls, like into the eye Sick. holes. Yeah. Two passes. Two passes. With that, you fully hook the skull in the trident, and it pulls up, and the entire cloak comes with it, and in triumph. You hoist the entire costume in one piece, like you're swirling spaghetti, onto your fork, and you triumphantly hold it in the air. And what stands before you is a man. Just a normal man. He looks haggard. And he says to you, but it's Halloween. 
and this very normal looking man stares at you now not with anger but with plain and naked fear because what happens is a fairy princess appears behind him and places a hand on his shoulder and that is when the devil arrives the walls around you burst into flames taking with them all of the various halloween accoutrements as a seven foot tall devil figure absolutely built wearing what is essentially your outfit steps into this plane of existence looks at you and smiles and he says now would be an excellent time to run and he takes his trident and plunges it down onto the man crumpling him like a shish kebab so the fight is over but the house is on fire uh okay <laughs> sure I'm good to go. What, what, do you, what do you think? Do you think we got enough? I mean, I always feel great about running. <laughs> I look at the children, <laughs> and I'm like, are you guys cool with us running? They're not even looking at you. They are just brutalizing this man. Like, the fairy princess has her wand, like, shoved up his nose, trying to poke at his brain. There's too much detail occurring on film. Got it. You see it for two frames, and that's kind of the answer to the question. Gotcha. It's a snuff film. So yeah. Like, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. They, they want us to run. So I just go, please be sure to leave a positive review for Conundrum Conveyances. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Once per scene, I can turn in a token with get a beat on them to determine weakness. I'm hoping to use that to find the path with the least fire to get sure. out of the house. I'll give you that. Yeah. Okay. So you've established the house as a person. So you're fleeing okay. a body right now. This went relatively well. Two passes. There's kind of a path through the beams that are falling. Uh, so normally it would take you probably a full turn to get just to the stoop from this kind of nightmare attic space. But with that, I'll actually let the both of you get all the way down to the front door. You know what? Maybe we do that bucket thing from earlier. You want to do the bucket thing through the window? Let's try that bucket thing from earlier. You're stronger than me, right? Yeah, I'm going to put the bucket on my hand and I'm going to try to punch the window. Okay, give me strength. Two passes. That'll do it. You punch through the window, and now that there's nothing in the organism strong enough to keep it from breaking, it shatters outward in a beautiful spray of glass. And two of you are propelled forward on a backdraft as the flame explodes you out from the sunset house. It is probably 2 a.m. now in this sleepy suburban area and your bodies just fly out and ragdoll through the air, stumbling and landing at the foot of your van, where you lay as the camera pans up and shows the moon. I, I hope what's happening is we go from transition from a moon to a moon over Miami. Yes. We, we <laughs> go from the literal moon to the moon dish. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. It's perfect. That's what happens. Uh, and there's like Great. jaunty music in the background. Mm -hmm. uh, it's delightful. Oh, um, I love it. Yeah. Uh, hey, well, man, uh, another case solved. <laughs> did, did we do, did we figure out like what was going on? I guess we kind of did. You're like bloodied, covered in ash and soot. Like shards of glass are in your hair. A uh, miss. Uh, yes. Miss. Yeah. Yes. 
Can I get some, uh, oh, okay, yeah, I see what's happening. I'm bleeding onto the, yeah, yes, to the um, meal. This is the yeah. third menu I've given you, sir. Yeah, okay, that's, uh, that's, that's, I'm sorry. You, you could perhaps hold it above chest level. I do believe that is the problem. All right, yeah, 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 I'm gonna do that Wonderful. this time. The police are okay. on their way, and she goes to the back. We, uh, we'll take the order to go, then. <laughs> we'll take it to go. We'll take this to go. Okay, and that is the last line of the movie. We'll take this to go. And right as the end credits start, the video cuts, and you hear what appears to be a podcaster say, Do not come here. This is no place of honor. Do not come to Shelterwood. And then the tape cuts off, spits out of the VCR. Oh, boy. But do come to Denny's, where you can get a two-for-one deal <laughs> if you mention the promo code SHELTERWOOD. Yeah, this was this was both a, a Shelterwood uh, product and a Denny's, the most truly ambitious crossover event of the year. <laughs> Patrick, uh, how did it feel to get to play the game smartly the way you always hope that Brent and I would play the game? <laughs> <laughs> Like playing within the bounds of the game rather than making a borscht festival or like going <laughs> up river to like start a farm or like or or more just like attempting to solve the puzzles <laughs> and like looking at the clues and stuff as opposed to just being like oh I wonder maybe if- I can seduce the vine. Oh, man. Yeah, maybe it can make the vines dance in a funny <laughs> way, like, for a couple minutes. We got this done in under six hours. It's incredible, man. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's wild. It's been amazing, though. Thank you for trusting me with your program. This was a delight to do. Thank you, Steven. Thank you so much. You did a great job. This was so much fun. Indeed. And, th- and hey, thank you for all of your fine work on every other one of our shows. Oh, uh, absolutely. You know, I'm happy to be here. I really love the show, and I think that if you love the show, you should go read and review on whatever platform you're currently listening to on it. That's my opinion. As importantly, check out your Kickstarter one more time. That is bit.ly slash shelterwoodpod for more suburban, weird, horror, gooey, awful goodness. You heard the man. Get to it. We'll be back with more episodes of Worst Movies Ever Played. Steven did a great job editing a new season that is coming out. We're just putting the finishing touches on it, and it will be out soon. You're not going to want to miss it, baby. More bad movies to come. Even more bad movies. Get excited.